Podcast of the Cinema, hosted by you, <laughs> Dave White. You're knocking me out of my chair. <laughs> and me, Alonzo Duraldi. Um, we both write for the Broadcast rap. energy here. We are spouses. I do other podcasts. Welcome to this one. And you impede our mic checks. Oh, could we not? With your antics. Could oh, no, we no, 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 not? No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we're not. Uh, the answer to your question... Of the last mic check, which, by the way, was the third one in a row that we did. Because you were being a big baby. Was you uh, being a problem? No, And so the no, answer no, no. to your question is, <laughs> no, I will never stop complaining <laughs> about things that are problems. You were the one being a pill and making it difficult. And yet, I continue to work with you. Yes. Uh, professionally, personally. You are under contract. Kissingly. Marriage contracts. <laughs> and that contract is notarized. But <laughs> by a notary. By a notary. <laughs> Public. Um I'm glad you're here today with me. Oh, yeah. thanks. Yeah, because it's a ter- it's a terrible day. Yeah. And yeah. um in the United States it is a terrible day. Uh, because uh, the Supreme Court is uh, out to destroy us gonna, all. They're gonna. They're gonna. They're gonna. The the ruling will come down in June. Yes. But it was leaked yes. to the public last night that they were gonna overturn Roe v. Wade. Yeah. Now, if you don't live in the U.S. and you don't know what Roe v. Wade is, it's the case in the early 1970s that made abortion uh, legal. In the United States. Yes. So for 50 years, people who need abortions have been able to get them more or less yes, safe, uh, safely and I won't say easily because for the past 50 years... They've gone out of their way to make it as complicated as possible. As complicated and difficult as possible. Um, so this is, a, this is a crap day in a garbage country. Yes. And... Um, and we will not be entertaining debates or discussions about this with anyone. Yes. If this you bothers do, you, feel free to stop listening and never come you, back. <laughs> you get, I wasn't going to be that mean. I was going to simply say, why don't you get your own podcast and tell the world how you feel. Yeah, or, or, or find any number of other podcasts that agree with your particular leanings. <laughs> I thought I was here for the movie reviews. <laughs> Why? Why do you have to make no. art so political? Well, you're not here just here for music, movie, music, movie, muzu, 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 yuzu. You're not here, here for, for the, the yuzu, yuzu reviews, or uh, the new zoo review, for that matter. Uh, you get the whole, you get the whole ball of uh, tangled cord. Yes, <laughs> when you listen to this podcast <laughs> about the cinema. Indeed, we um. We gotta, we gotta uh, hop to and get this cracking and done within the hour uh, because you have a screening to run off to. I do. Uh, 
all the way over in Burbank. In Burbank. Late in the afternoon. Burbank. I'll tell you about Burbank trying to get over there late in the afternoon. It's a slow journey. Well, it's probably well, easier going there than coming from there. Either way. Doesn't yeah, matter. Doesn't Either matter way. which direction yeah. you're headed. It's going to be a drive. Burbank to, to West Hollywood is a... It's what? It's like two miles. <laughs> <laughs> and yet? But it's like... Two miles in um like a river of molasses. Yeah. Two uh, miles uh, that make that that require going by or near the Hollywood Bowl. Yeah. Uh but once you get listen, once you get to Burbank. Yeah. What a paradise. The living is easy. What a what a people goof on Burbank all the time. This is Johnny Carson's fault. Yes, it is. By the way. Kids, Johnny Carson was a late night uh, talk show host. For many, many decades. Yeah. And, it was, and it was always... Uh, he once hosted the show that Jimmy Fallon now hosts. Correct. Um, and so, uh, and after Johnny Carson was Jay Leno. And then after Jay Leno was like Conan O'Brien for a minute, wasn't it? For like two seconds and then Jay came back? Yeah. I don't remember <laughs> the details of that. It was but terrible. It was a big mess. Uh, now it's Jimmy Fallon, but no. they, 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 they taped that show over in Burbank at the NBC uh, studios. It's now called the Magnolia Lot or something. But Burbank itself. He used to, Johnny Carson used to make jokes about Burbank. Beautiful downtown Burbank. And yes. the thing is about Burbank, it's totally beautiful. It is. <laughs> it's totally beautiful. It has like it? a row. There's like, if you, it's one of the last places in, in Southern California where you can window shop. There's like parks and lovely little streets and stuff and like a, and Donut Hut is over yes. there, and and Port Port Portos, Portos Portos is over there. Yes, yeah. Uh, I want. I thought you were trying to say Portillos. I, I almost like, said Portillos, I was like, but I knew that was Orange wasn't County. It. No, Portos <laughs> is in. Burbank. You want Portillos? You have a real drive ahead of you. Yes, that could take you two hours Oof. on a Friday. Don't even <laughs> remember that time. I do. Take remember us two that. hours to get yes. Um The. Um, so, um, what was I thinking about? Donut Burbank. Hut. Donut Hut. Oh, We're always thinking hut. about Donut Hut. It's such a good little hut. <laughs> it's filled with donuts. <laughs> I recommend it. If only it were a hut made of donuts, but you know. Well. Also, there's a really fun, uh, like, electrical supply company across the street from Donut Hut. And they have a big sign on their back gate. That says Chuck Norris rules. <laughs> oh, that's right. I don't know why. I mean, obviously they think Chuck Norris rules. rules yeah, he doesn't. But <laughs> it's a fun sign anyway. And uh, very often in Burbank uh, at the holidays, uh, uh, our friend Christopher Kyer has that great holiday pop up. Oh yeah, with amazing, amazing vintage, Christmas ornaments, vintage Christmas decorations yeah. in a store. You can just go buy them. <laughs> Anyway, let's get into cinema. We have uh, sure. four uh, films yes. to talk about. We're going to hold on to uh, Hatching. Yes. Because I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, and I think you would do And it. I want to, and you told me that you thought I would like it. Yeah. In spite of the fact that our dinner guest the other night saw it and hated it, and then had a little argument with you about it. <laughs> <laughs> You all sat there at the table, digging in your heels, being like... Well, okay, look, I don't... I disagree. Well, it's wrong. Well, I, I'm right. <laughs> I, I, I don't ever argue opinions, because, you know, right. that's just how people look at the world. But 
I felt like his reasoning of why he didn't like it. He's listening. He's listening. I know he is. Hello. Hey, friend. I do love you. (laughs) I felt like he kind of missed the point of what the movie was. Now, is that that nice to say when he's not here to defend himself and tell you why he didn't miss the point? I mean, here's the the situation. Uh When I see this movie, you'll decide. I will be able to tell (laughs) in like a King Solomon kind of way. Who's true? Who's correct? Uh-huh. And who's not? Great. Well, we'll all wait. So for, everyone we'll just wait. wait. Okay. And then I'll get around to it, and then I'll let you know. Way to way to have a cliffhanger. Whether you're right or dinner guest is right. Okay. You're ridiculous. No, I'm 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 a I'm a champion of cinema. You see. You are not King Solomon. You are, if anything, the mine. Maybe. <laughs> it's nice and dark and cool in the mine, isn't it? <laughs> and full of valuables. The ca- yeah, full of valuables. <laughs> Is it like being in Carlsbad Caverns? Because I'll, I'll, I'll gladly be that. I, I have never been to either, so I couldn't well, tell you. Much like Burbank, Carlsbad Caverns is a beautiful place. Good to know. And it's always 55 degrees. <laughs> Unlike Burbank. Right. Uh, Where should we begin? Well, why don't we talk about the terrible Liam Neeson movie that came uh, this week called Memory. So this is the second armed Liam Neeson movie of 2022. Yeah. Like usually it's, you get one. He's hit the, he's hit the super cranking amount. Yeah. You you, you get one, you get one in like February and then you wouldn't have to deal with it again for a while. And to be fair. There are some armed Liam Neeson movies that I like quite a bit. All the ones that Joe McCallay Seurat directed. Yeah. Unknown. Nonstop. Nonstop. You know, those are fun movies. The Tooken the Tooken movies are diminishing returns, but yes. the first one first is one's a, fun. Is a banger. Uh third and one is xenophobic. And yeah, very. <laughs> third one is just flat out inept. Um this one is the worst. It's worse than the Ice Road Trucker movie. Oh, come on now. The Ice Road Trucker movie was also garbage, but... Yes. <laughs> I remember watching it thinking, am I not entertained? <laughs> Even a little bit? Well, I th- And I was. Just a little bit. There were some unintentional laughs. There yeah. are some unintentional laughs in this one, but then and then it just take goes completely around the bend to being like just icky and I wanted to wash it off of me. Yeah, well, so yes. uh Liam Neeson, get this, is a hitman. But with, um, a con- with a conscience. With a conscience. With a conscience. With a conscience. He will not uh kill a child. Uh, which he has hired who, who can who kill can a kill a child. Who, who can, can murder a child. a child. Uh who can kill right, who can kill a child. I've still never seen that movie. <laughs> Neither have I, but it's a fun title. It is for a great a title. Who can yeah. kill a child? Um uh, not Liam Neeson. He can't. Uh, he is hired he to do so. He could. He won't. No, he's he could. Good of but an he assassin. won't. Right. He wouldn't. Yeah. Uh, he's hired to do so by Monica Bellucci, who is terrible. Who is a um, well. Uh, her character is her terrible. Her character is terrible. And poor Monica and Bellucci. She's kind of terrible in this too. Is sadly. Mis- misused. Oh. In a in a grievous, terrible that, way. That. Uh, the, she should sue somebody. And this movie is exhibit A. I mean, you yeah. just look at it and think, what are you doing to Monica Bellucci? 
Anyway, so she plays an El Paso real estate magnet, because of course. Yeah. Uh, but her son is uh, horrible and up to all kinds of awful things, including uh, trafficking children across the U.S.-Mexico border. So the young woman who Neeson is supposed to kill but won't uh, had been trafficked by her father and was involved in this ring of pedophiles. Uh, Guy Pierce comes in, and, who's a FBI agent, puts her in foster care in yeah. the hopes of letting her have like a normal life north of the border. And uh, when Neeson won't kill her, someone else does. Right. And, and Neeson is furious That's about this. That's not a spoiler. It happens. It happens early. very early. Yeah. Neeson's furious about this, and so is Guy Pierce. But whereas Guy Pierce is shackled by, you know, the law, right. uh, Neeson can just murder his way up the ladder to try and get to Monica Bellucci. Right. Uh, Pierce ostensibly has to stop him, but at the same time, is kind of like, well, I mean, he is sort of killing all the right people. Right. Um, also, during all of this, Liam Neeson uh, is fighting off dementia. Yes. Uh, he is popping pills. That's what the title's about. And yes, trying to avoid, uh, because his his brother has already had Alzheimer's and it's coming for Liam Neeson. He's trying to basically get to Monica Bellucci before, or like while he's still able to remember what he's doing and right. have the capability to do it. Okay, on paper, all of this is potentially could be interesting. And, you know, honestly, on paper, I don't even want to look at this. Yeah. Because. Okay. And the they, subject matter is just. It's vile. In the, hand, I, in the hands yeah. of the right director, this could be a movie that's actually about something. I know. It is in the hands of Martin Campbell. Uh, so that does not happen. Right. Uh, what you wind up with. And I mean, should I just spoil this? Do we care? <laughs> I can I can fix it. I can okay. unspoil it. Okay, okay. It leads to an ending that is a that is a blatant justification for extrajudicial murder at the discretion of law enforcement. Thank and you. We have had uh, plenty of that taking place uh, in this country uh, of late, and so. Calling it a good thing, in spite of the fact that reprehensible, vile people are the ones receiving their comeuppance, is a moral quagmire that the film cannot extricate itself from because it is so thoughtlessly and carelessly made. Thank you. It is a terrible filmmaking. Yes. And a terrible message, kind of all the way around. Yeah. No, it's it's despicable. Um, and and the thing is... That it, it it makes this case for, as you say, sort of extrajudicial, you know, executions uh, aimed at the rich and powerful. Mm -hmm. Whereas in real life, right. that kind of thing happens to people who do not have teams of lawyers right. and do not have the media at their beck and call right. or any other kind of uh, agency to, uh, you know, defend themselves. Anyway, this movie's garbage and it's terrible. It's a, it's Don't a garbage movie. Don't uh, see it. I'm. I feel bad for Monica Bellucci as as a as a as a person who is employed by this production, uh, because I think she's really cool. Uh, I'm starting to feel bad for Liam Neeson because I don't know what he's doing. I, I, I don't know. You know, I, mean, I I. It doesn't have the feel of the Bruce Willis situation where he was just like taking gigs that required a little bit of work right. so he could get some money and, you know, sock it away for his, for his family, family because he had 
a medical uh, sort of, well, there, it was a secret. Yeah. It's not anymore. This doesn't feel like what Liam Neeson is doing. This feels like Liam Neeson is like, yes, I will take this starring role because you met my quote and I don't care if it's going to be awful. In fact, if it is awful, fewer people will see it and fewer people will blame me for taking the job. Exactly. They'll, they'll Fewer will even know that it even existed. So I'm, you know, we back in the day, Liam Neeson was, you know, he was being in films. And he's still, and, and now he's in movies. And he still does that, but it's like, Ten for them, one for me. Exactly. Yeah. Like every so often, yes, he'll be in like also that, ten checks for me. He'll be he'll and, be in the movie with like you know where Leslie Manville has cancer or whatever. But right. for the most part, it's just these now. And and look, if you if you want to work, if you like being on set, and you like want to you know keep the money coming in, and and this is what you get offered, then you know who are we to judge that? But oh yeah, yeah. Like a I'll little, be a little discriminating. I beg you. So that's it. Memory. It's very bad. Don't waste your time. Yeah. It's not even fun. Bad. No. It's icky. Bad. Yeah. Um. You don't. You don't want. You don't. No one's got time for this. None. Except Liam Neeson, apparently. Yes. Uh. Now, there is a, a film that you and I uh, have seen, and we disagree. Hmm. About it. Oh, yes, yes, we do. We do indeed. It is called Saturday Fiction. It's from the Chinese uh, director uh, Lu Ye. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, it, he doesn't get talked about a lot uh, in the United States. His films open here. Yeah. And they have for the past like 20 years. And they have, you know, they're critically well regarded films. Uh, but he keeps kind of a low profile, like he's not a star, right? You know, he's not Wong Kar Wai, he's not Ho Xiao Xian. You know, uh, other filmmakers from from China who have made names for themselves in 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 a way that gets them a lot of press, right? He doesn't do that, and I'm not sure whether it's you know by design or if the press doesn't just find his films as, you well, know, I'm, I'm interesting. Look, I'm looking at the last decade of his films, and if they played in the States, they didn't get much attention. Right. I mean... He uh, is most well-known, this is true, for uh, Suju River, yeah. for uh, Purple Butterfly, for Summer Palace, and those were in the 2000s. Yeah. Um, but he's got two movies that are kind of floating around right now. Uh, in addition to this, there's one uh, called Shadow Play that mm-hmm. I haven't seen yet. Uh but it's around, and I'm hoping I get to look at it because I like this guy's films. Uh, I generally do, but I don't care for this one. So um, here's the story. Uh, it's 1941. Uh, like right before... Japan has occupied... Uh, uh, Shanghai. Shanghai. Right There's, before the, the, the bombing of Pearl Harbor. It's a week before the bombing of Pearl Harbor. Yeah. A, an actress... An actress named uh, Jean Yu, played by Gong Li, the great Gong Li, Li. who's been in every cool movie for the past, like, 30 years. She and Monica Bellucci should knock back a few and talk about their their recent uh, films, because I'm not crazy by this. This is, I don't want you, listen, stop right there. (laughs) I'm not going to equate this with Okay, yeah, don't you compare this. (laughs) To the film we just talked about, because they are 
I, I, I'm I'm offended that you actually just said that. <laughs> I just okay. I'll say this because this is a good movie. That my, mm, I disagree. My well, we'll my, my comparison is this is a, this is a movie that it, that does not deserve Gongli. May I continue? Me. Please do. She has been in Hong Kong. She is returning to Shanghai. She is going to star in a play opposite uh, uh, an ex. Uh, Boyfriend, lover, dalliance. We're not... They were lovers. Yes. Yeah. Uh, named Tan, uh, played by an actor named Mark Chow. He is directing this play. The play is called Saturday Fiction. And so this is happening, and we learn why she's there, because it's more than just to be in this play. Well, she, there's there's rampant speculation that that her ex, who is imprisoned there, that she's going her ex husband, her ex husband, yes, not lover, which is the she record. is, she is there, perhaps to uh, get him out. Yeah, she's there to spy. That people she's, don't know. <laughs> she's there to do. Who knows what? So she is, sort of spinning plates. Here's where the film goes with this. It is not a neat narrative. Uh, it flips and it flops and it florps. <laughs> Sometimes we have to catch up to what we just saw and decide whether or not it was real or part of the play's rehearsal. Mm -hmm. Because the film intentionally blurs the lines between what is a rehearsal for a production and what is really happening. And it provides no distinct break between these things. Often what will happen is stuff will repeat and you'll be like, oh, so earlier they were rehearsing. Like you have to go back and retroactively understand what went down. I will not lie. This is demanding. This is a demanding film. You must give it your every moment of attention. And you must be willing to say to yourself, I don't know exactly if the ground I'm standing on right now is real or play acting. I'll just hang on and, and hopefully find out later. So not only does he not give you clear guideposts to what's real and what's not, it is a period film. It's set in 1941, uh, shot in black and white, as though it were 1941, but shot in a kind in a digital black and white with you know like handheld camera and stuff that formally wasn't part of 1941 film language, indicating to me that very much like Louis' earlier films that are often period films, he's not just recreating history, he's talking about the present. He's talking about the chaos of that moment, he's talking about the chaos of this moment, and he's not merely recreating. These are not, you know, compositions that look like a film made in 1941. It's a sort of soft kind of black and white 
you don't like it. You think it's muddy looking. I think it's horrible looking black yeah, and white. I like it. Um, and it is, as I said, it's chaotic. And I think that's reflective of the chaos of its moment. It's reflective of what Lu Yi is trying to tell you is chaotic about the moment right now in China. Um, it is also a movie about uh, a person who is performing a variety of roles. I, as we talked about it the first time privately, we were comparing it to Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, where the plot is very similar in terms of what these actor characters are called upon to do. Right Now, in Unbearable Weight, it's a comedy, and it all very neatly fits together by the end of the film. This does not happen here. It does not neatly fit together by the end of the film. You have to decide what was real and what was not. Also, Gong Li's performance, I think, is really good here because the first, like, two-thirds of the movie, she's listening and she's studying and she's looking and she's spying on who? And we don't know always who she's there for. If maybe she's just there for herself. And as this goes on, this sort of mounting paranoia, uh, you know, comes into play. And it feels as though, as a performance, she is, her her character is not just rehearsing a play, but rehearsing for this third act, blam, 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 guns, guns, kill people kind of act, which feels like it comes out of another movie. Um, I find this, again, demanding, but also exciting to watch. I like a movie that pushes me in these kinds of directions and makes me unsure of where I'm headed. I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt that you didn't just say all that to imply that I didn't get this movie i don't think you don't get anything okay i would never treat you the way you treated our dinner guest <laughs> the other night i look that was based on his actual statements i understood what this movie was doing and i'm and, just telling you what i think and okay. how i saw it all right uh, yes my, my reading my 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 deep reading of uh -huh. this film your hot Alonzo, take my, no 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 not a hot take <laughs> a deeply considered reading of this yes. film your reading okay. is accurate in many ways it is uh, <laughs> it is it is it is doing these things it is portraying these things yeah is it doing so successfully and is it making any kind of point in doing so it is I disagree <laughs> I think it is not I think it looks horrible okay uh, I think that the Whatever the Gong Li character's motivations are or are not, she makes some choices in the final stretches of the film that make zero sense for any of her possible um, uh, agendas okay. at play. That All was right. annoying. The whole, are we on stage or is this really happening thing is a cool conceit that is not used toward anything you know, uh, except the idea I of like she's, whole, she, you know, she's acting, but we get we get that anyway. The, that that comes right. through in other ways. Um, uh, the the there is like this oppressively weirdly mixed sound notion where background noises are often as loud as the dialogue, if not louder. Which again, I'll give you that. That is kind of weird. Just feels it just feels gimmicky. So yeah, I, I saw what this movie was out to do and yeah. what its intentions were, and I just didn't think it got them right. I don't think it works. 
It's called Saturday Fiction. It is. It is in art house cinemas. Yes. As we speak. Um we see it with someone you love and fight about it afterwards. <laughs> At least until dessert. <laughs> and then enjoy dessert. Then enjoy your dessert. <laughs> uh you know. If you want to go see it again, it's at the Royal, and that's next to the Churros place. You can get a churro. Don't, don't you try and buy me off a churro. I'm trying to tempt you with churros. By the way, I randomly ran into our friend who manages the Royal last night. Are you talking about Isaac? Yes. Okay, well, Isaac doesn't manage yes, the Royal. Yes, he does. He now manages the Royal and the Monica. Oh. Shows what you know. I thought he just managed the Monica. Oh, yeah. Well, I guess someone's had a conversation with Isaac more recently than you have. <laughs> Señor Sabelo Todo. <laughs> How do you manage two movie theaters at the same time? I have no that idea. Like, I couldn't do one. That seems like a lot of work. Isaac, hope they're paying you more I'm telling to you. manage two theaters. <laughs> I love the Lemley theaters. Yes. Does that mean we get to like sign in with a pass? <laughs> You'll have to work that out. I, I, I need to know. <laughs> You know, the, we we should be supporting. We're back, we're back in cinemas. Again. We should be yeah. supporting indie theaters. Yeah, we are by talking about the movies that they show. <laughs> do Do you know of anyone else who's discussing the film Saturday Fiction <laughs> on their podcast? I I dare <laughs> find find a film review podcast where they are talking about oh, this movie. Someone is. We're not that. I, I, I don't say. I don't think we're that special. I just think that we are. Uh, somewhat rare. And I think our colleagues who would be having this discussion on their own podcast are among the ranks of the rare. Fair enough. Everybody's out here talking about Doctor Strange Mm -hmm. right now this week, which is what you're fixing to do. And we're talking about Doctor Strange? I did not see it. No. And we're going to hold off the best film for last, though. Okay. We're going to talk about Hit the Road after we talk about Doctor Strange. I didn't see Doctor Strange. You did. You can you can hammer it out right here. Yeah, you asked and me. And maybe convince to, me to watch it when it streams. You asked me to let you know if it was something you needed to see right away. And I you would say. You are my Marvel DC poison taster. Yes. That is your. I think. Now that we're back to press screenings. Yeah. I don't feel the need to yeah. participate in things that are just like. We've t- we talked about this a week or two ago when I finally got around to seeing Spider-Man. Yes. No Way Home? No Way Home. And The Batman. Yes. And we talked about it back to back. And I just, I, you know, it's it felt like, The Batman felt kind of like homework. But there, like, there is no reason. Spider-Man's for, fun. There's no reason for you to but rush out. I need out. you to see things first. Fair now. enough. Fair to, enough. There's no yeah. reason for you to rush out and see this one, except for, unless you really want to see the Sam Raimi of it all on a big screen. Beyond that, you could wait for Disney Plus and be fine. Uh, I will. I, yeah, I'm kind of mezzo-mezzo on this one. Um, and I'm not going to get into spoilers because it opens Thursday night. Um, and folks haven't seen it yet, so I'll keep it vague. If you want a spoiler recap, Christy and I are going to do one next week on Breakfast All Day. And I'm sure you and I will talk about it when you watch it on Disney+. Plus. Uh, but in the meantime... 60 days. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> in the meantime, it's a follow-up to Doctor Strange. Um it would behoove you to at least read the Wikipedia page for WandaVision uh, if you didn't watch WandaVision. 
It was Agatha all along. Oh, man, I was so wishing she was going to turn up in this movie. Uh, oh, I'm, she's not. That's my spoiler. She does not. There's no uh, Agatha Harkness in this movie. But there's a lot of other WandaVision stuff where? you need to know about. So you should you should get caught up on that. Um, basically, this... I didn't even watch WandaVision. I just watched that last bit where the where <laughs> Agatha had her song. Yes. It made me think about watching WandaVision for about 10 minutes. Because I saw the first episode or two uh-huh. with you. I sat down and watched them both. And then I thought, eh, no. Okay. No. Fair enough. You do this. So take, this. You, take, you carry. You get to carry this. So, so Doctor Strange. I'll go make dinner. Gets thrown into the whole multiverse thing uh, with the arrival of a young woman named America Chavez. Um, who is uh, able to to uh, transport herself from universe to universe within the multiverse, which no one else can do. So, of course, bad people want to take that power from her, even right. if it means killing her. Yeah. And, um, you know, complicated parallel universes, fight, fight, fight. Okay. Uh, I, you know, look, th- there are some Sam Raimi touches that are fun. Like there's a, there's a, at the opening, one of the, the big opening action scene is this like giant tentacled eyeball monster, which is a hoot. Um, you know, there, this movie kind of delves into some, it's, it's not a scary movie, but it delves into some sort of horror tropes, demons and zombies and whatnot that you don't usually get in these movies. And, and, you know, Raimi has fun with that and he, he throws in some, some cool jolts, but there's so much plot and so much like explaining parallel universes and yada, 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 right. that there's no room for characters. Like right. Dr. Strange in the first film goes through a bunch of stuff and comes out of it at the end of it, maybe a little different than he was at the beginning. And this movie, it's just like people yelling plot points at you the whole time. And right. you know, America Chavez seems like a real interesting character. No idea. Like, I look forward to getting to know her in the next four movies if they can stop for two minutes and give me some idea of who she even is. Um, she has two moms. That's kind of cool. You know, and will be cut. will be cut in, like, other countries countless that other don't nations. like two moms. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's it's fine. Like, as somebody who really enjoys Marvel movies, and, and I would say, like, oh, loved it, and I, you know, I, I walked away from it all excited... This one was like I was entertained while I was watching it, and then when it was over, I was kind of like, eh. it, it, it. I just had to re, uh, I just had to, to, to sort of, you know, recalibrate my MCU ranking for the wrap, and it's firmly in the middle. You have an MCU film ranking at the wrap. Yes, every and, time I see a new one, I have to. Each week when a new one comes out, <laughs> you have to, you have to juggle it. Well, it was funny because when I sat down to do this, I realized I had never updated it for Eternals or. Uh, Shang-Chi because right. I didn't see those in theaters right? or for, and then I had just never gotten around to doing it for, for Spider-Man No Way Home either. So I had to like add four You're movies. You're going to have to add it to your weekly calendar. <laughs> Clearly. Yes. Thursday mornings update MCU ranking. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, anyway, that's, that's, I have questions. Okay. Are they spoilery? No. Okay. How could I ask a spoiler question if I've not seen this film yet? You could manage. Okay. Well, I have questions. All right. My experience of the Marvel films Mm -hmm. is that some of them feel necessary yeah, in terms of not just their entertainment value, but also their uh, sort of, you know, meaningful character stuff going on. Right. As we recently said, I recently said this on the Spider-Man episode, I dig those Spider-Man movies, the, the ones with Tom Holland, because they feel like if 
the breakfast club <laughs> yes <laughs> became you know tasked with saving the world right okay and so but then others feel like building blocks the ant-man movies feel like building blocks to me <laughs> uh guardians of the galaxy that second guardians of the galaxy movie felt like a building block sure um you know i and 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 the building block film can still be uh you know fun yes but when you leave it see i leave a marvel movie and i immediately forget what i watched right but when i leave a building block marvel movie uh-huh. i immediately forget what i watched and i also think eh okay fine <laughs> This is more building block. Where are block. my churros? Uh, this is more building block than anything else. I think the first Doctor Strange, I mean, it is an origin story, but yeah. again, I think you really get some characters in there. And in this one, it's just, it, it's it's too sort of like, it's got too many other boxes to check. And so, yeah. I, I, and again, I don't want to, I don't want to sound like I'm pooping on this movie. No, because it, I just heard you talk to Christy about it on Breakfast All Day. And you said you generally. I generally was enjoying it, it while it was happening. yourself. You're sort of endorsing it, but then on, a, it but, on one level. Yeah. If, 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 like, if you're down for these movies, you will not be like, you, this is not like a soul sucking anger, angering experience. <laughs> But it's it's just it's it's fun, but it doesn't it doesn't add up to much. And I know we're in the world of superhero movies that that's a relative thing at best. But it just yeah. doesn't it doesn't grab you because there there aren't really characters happening here. You know, I it's see. always Benedict Wong, always a treasure, always droll. You know, he's fun. Um, I think Elizabeth, for me, what it comes down to is some of them feel human and some of them feel mechanical. Yes, this total okay. this this is feels like machine product. Okay, with you know with like occasional dollops of Sam Raimi weirdness. That's my next question. If I'm going to enjoy this in the medium amount that I would enjoy a building block film, uh-huh. will the fun uh, Sam Raimi, you know, uh, bleh, monster <laughs> stuff, yeah, uh, creature things, will I enjoy them as much on our television as I would... Uh, Spending time and money to go out to the, <laughs> to the grove uh, and sitting there. Yeah, I, I, I I'm going to say yes. Okay. Um, right. I, 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 I sat next to a friend of ours who works in the effects field, and when it was over, I said, "Was anybody outdoors for any of this movie?" And, and what he, did that person say? Nah, <laughs> it's pretty much all green screens. But they didn't screen. work on this movie. Didn't work on, but okay. but but you know they know but how they, these they things know work. Things. So it's like, so whether it's Doctor Strange in Greenwich Village or Doctor Strange at the top of like Mount Everest or wherever the heck. Right. Yeah, it's just all, you know, okay. it's in a studio somewhere. So what you're saying is, uh, what was the thing we just saw where no one's outside? Uh, oh, <laughs> it, um, oh, yes. Uh, Motorcycles inside. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh, what was we it? We just talked about it. It had terrible, terrible green screen. It was... Um, <laughs> Why are we both? Why blanking? are we blanking? We're blanking on the existence of this movie because it's. It, I guess it doesn't matter. I guess okay. it doesn't. Well, yeah. then that's fine. <laughs> but you know, uh, look if you're if you're deep into Marvel stuff, there will be plenty of moments where you're like, "Oh my god, that's so cool!" Or I can't believe we're doing this now. You know, like, there is. You described that there is a, quite a bit of fan service, and in fact, you spoiled it for me. 
Yes. Because I asked you to. And then I had to explain it. And then you had to explain to me all the fan service stuff that you spoiled. Yes. Because when you said it to me, I thought, okay, what does that mean? Like, I'm not... You guys... (laughs) You've got other things. You've got other fish to fry. My life is really full. (laughs) You have to be a show-off about it. (laughs) No, I'm not being a show off about it. I'm just, you know. Oh, Moonfall. Everybody, moonfall. that's right. Nobody moon was ever fall. outdoors. When the moon falls. <laughs> Even when they were on inside. Earth, they're never outdoors. Yes. Uh, all right. Let's talk about the best film of the week. Yes. And one of the best films of the year. Yes. Already it is uh, May. Uh, this film has uh, been in New York for a week or two and is now hitting Los Angeles. Yes. And will, I guess, roll out to other art houses in the country, mm-hmm. we hope. Um, yes. Kino Lorber has it. So. Uh, this is called Hit the Road. Yes. It is from Panapanahi, who is the son of acclaimed Iranian filmmaker Jafar Panahi. Now, you've heard us talk about Jafar Panahi before. Yes. He is uh, the man who made The White Balloon and Taxi, and this is not a film. And he has had three... uh, Three... God, we can't remember anything. Three days? No. (laughs) What's it called? Three faces. Three faces. Three faces. I'm so sorry, Jafar Panahi. One of my my favorite films of 2019. (laughs) Please forgive us, Jafar Panahi. Um... He has had, you know, Jafar Panahi's uh, trouble with uh, the Iranian government uh, is is the the stuff of international film news headlines. Yes, he once premiered a, a film at Cannes that was snuck Smuggled out of the country out. on a on a on a thumb drive in a cake. Yeah, uh, he has been banned from making films by the Iranian government. He has been under house arrest for quite some time. Yes. He, I I don't know if he's out of it or not, but. Whether he's in or out of it, he somehow manages Still to leave, making movies. leave the house and make a movie. Yeah. Um, Taxi and Three Faces, he's is, driving all over the place. Yeah, this is a man who skirts around his troubles. At, it, it, I am thinking at no small risk to sure, himself. Sure, yeah. So uh, his son uh, has worked with him for years and has now made his own first feature. Uh, and it is... This apple has not fallen far from the tree. Yeah. And I don't say that to uh, uh, disparage at all. Uh, Panap- uh, uh, Panapanahi has uh, learned all the right lessons. Yes. Uh, He's got the stuff. So this is about a family. Uh, there's an older father, uh, and a mother, and an adult son. And a six-year-old son. And there's even a reference to an off-screen sister that we... The sister is mentioned and then we don't... She's mentioned once, but she's not yeah. here. They're on a road trip. They're in a borrowed SUV. And they are headed to an undisclosed location for undisclosed reasons. We don't know what has happened. All we know is that the adult son has to get out of Iran. He has to go to Turkey, and he's going to be smuggled there Yes, by uh, some people who ride on motorcycles and wear sheepskin masks that make them look like uh, the killers in The Strangers. Or as the kid says, the Scarecrow in Batman Begins. Scarecrow in Batman Begins, <laughs> yes. Uh, 
And the whole film is this car journey. Now, that has precedent in Iranian contemporary Iranian cinema because Jafar Panahi has done this sort of thing before, films set in cars mm -hmm. like Taxi. Yeah. Um, and before him, uh, someone Jafar Panahi worked with, uh, Abbas Kiarostami, also made films that were car-based. There is uh, uh, now a, a tradition of this in Iranian film. If you go back and watch Abbas Kiarostami's The Wind Will Carry Us, that is a, a car movie. I so, wish I could remember there was a film we did at Outfest a few years ago that is all about a woman who is an unlicensed cab driver driving her husband's car around to make to raise money to get him out of jail or something. I forget. Yeah. So the um, the family in question is a loud, bickering, argumentative uh, group of people, and they've all got a various they've all got various things going on. The father has broken his leg, and it's in a cast. We don't know how or why. How or why. At one point in the film, when someone asks him at, at a roadside stop, he says, I fell. From grace. <laughs> if you were a doctor, however, I fell in a hole. <laughs> um, the mother uh, is trying to keep everyone's spirits up and she's trying to keep the six-year-old pacified which is a losing battle <laughs> because the six-year-old is a whirligig the six-year-old is like a spinning top that you can't control and who never shuts up and who is sort of ostentatiously smart like uh, speaks dialogue that you think how old are you <laughs> like a little grown-up person <laughs> in a six-year-old's body. The only person who doesn't really talk much is the adult son. Yes. Because he has a look of deep dread on his face the entire time. He is also the driver of the vehicle. Um, along the way, they have a variety of conversations, sing-alongs, arguments. They knock a... Comedy a, bits. They <laughs> knock a bicyclist off the road and give him a lift. Yeah. Um... <laughs> They and and after they knock this guy off the road and give him a ride, and the bicyclist starts talking about how much he loves Lance Armstrong, <laughs> the father says, "I have some things to tell you about Lance Armstrong." <laughs> He's a cheater. It is a really funny family comedy drama that is also like completely shot through with fear and grief and worry and the dread of. The unknown of what's uncertainty. Coming. Yeah, it is about a person who is voluntarily exiling themselves, and we we never find out why. Yeah. and it's irrelevant really as to why. The only mention that they make of it is when the father says, "How many times did I catch you doing this?" Hmm. And the son's like, uh, "I don't know," but we don't know what it is yeah. now. Statistically, I went and I read about. I read up on this. Mm -hmm. Statistically. Uh, more people uh, are uh, arrested and jailed in Iran for drug use mm. than pretty much anything else. Mm. So it could be that. Yeah. He could be gay. He could. He, he could have run afoul of any number of things sure. and, and be in some deep trouble. Yeah. The bail cost them their house. So they have 
They have no house to go back to yeah. once they drop him off at the meeting spot for the smugglers. Right. And, 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 like, and the mother sold her car, so they don't even have that. Right. Once they have to give back the bar. They have given up everything to make this son safe and out of the country. And yeah. they know they're about to say goodbye yeah. to him. So under normal circumstances, this sort of saying goodbye to an adult child is something like a rite of passage. But here it is. It's wrenching. Will we see you again yeah, exactly. in your life? We don't know. Um, there are also uh, very sort of sly cinematic references throughout the film, not just to Batman Begins, mm-hmm. but uh, to 2001, where the most you really hear from the adult son is when they're asking him, what's his favorite movie? And he says, 2001. And they're like, why? And he says, it calms me down. <laughs> and after he says that, you think, well, that's the end of the conversation. But then later on... Mm-hmm. I'm not going to spoil. This no. is a spoiler. This is a spoiler that I I I I would be upset if someone spoiled for me yes. because there are at least two more moments that are Kubrickian in the 2001 specifically 2001 sense yeah. that uh that are like heart-stopping and and visually overwhelming um and one of them takes place so slowly you don't notice it's happening yeah. until it's happening. Uh, and I went back. They sent us a screening link for this. I went back and I watched it again. Oh, wow. After I finished the movie, I was like, I have to look at that part again. <laughs> this movie is, I would say, 80% of this movie is told in master shots. Yeah. Which is a risk. Yeah. Like, you run the risk of being really monotonous and really, like the audience sort of getting antsy and ready for you to move on. But when Panahi holds a frame, there is so much going on and you, you get so many little character details to the extent that by the end of the film, there is a shot that I can't believe he pulled off. Yeah. But you know, those characters so well, so choreographed and you absolutely understand what's going on and why and how it's affecting everybody and what they feel. And you can't see their faces at that point at all, but you know, you know, um, there as, as the most, as the most heart wrenching stuff takes place, the camera pulls so far back that the people are just little specks in the distance, you know, and, and, but even just like, like the opening, the opening shot of the film, uh, which which has a, a, a cool, a fun little visual gag, but then like all these other things are happening, and and it's it, and it and it's not hitting you over the head with it, but after all, you're like, oh wait, this has all been one shot, and all this stuff has happened. Like when the the bicyclist in the car <laughs> is one shot, yeah. and they have like a lengthy conversation about all kinds of stuff, and yeah. they're driving past other bicyclists, yeah. and, and I, I was just gobsmacked, and I got to the end of this movie, and it was like. Remember in Inside Out, yes. where when when the Bing Bong thing happens yeah. and you're just not ready for it, right. and you just your body suddenly is this confluence. Your body begins to cry. Oh, yes, <laughs> I, th- I got to the end of this movie and I and it was and it, my body was like, Whoa. I, I felt this wave of emotion. It yes. was extraordinary. Um, it is stylistically different from uh, his forebears in that. He he grounds you somewhat in the sort of like realist world of of Jafar Panahi mm-hmm. or Abbas Karastami. Um but then really movies it up. Yeah. 
quite a bit in in unusual and unexpected places and in unexpected ways. So and, and not merely this as a... is his film. It is not simply uh, uh, continuing in the tradition of, of social realist, yeah. you know, cinema that comes from Iran. And it's not in that wink, wink. I've seen the same movies you no, have. No, no, it's not like that at all. It is so heartfelt and so meaningful and so real and so funny and heartbreaking. Yes, I watched key parts of it again this morning while you were watching it to prepare for talking about it here, and. It just reminded me, you know, two weeks down the road, how much I love this film. Last week we talked about Petite Maman being like this perfect movie. This is the same way, yeah. same kind of experience. Um, so see Petite Maman, see Hit the Road. You will not regret a moment of it. It is beautiful and just stunning. I, I I cannot praise this highly enough. The performances are great. There is so much deadpan dread on the faces of the son and the father. The kid is a test. <laughs> the six-year-old is a test. And the woman who plays the mother, and I let me scroll up my document here to get her Pantea name. Pantea Panaiha. Heartbreaking. She gives this astonishing performance. And uh-huh. even the kid is not giving you movie kid. No. He's giving you six-year-old on a long car trip. Six-year-old on a long, on a long car trip. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you for describing it that way because he is... They, throughout I, the film... I feel like, bad for my siblings. There's a moment when they figure out a way to shut him up by not shutting him up. They just abandoned him. <laughs> and I know that sounds bad. But the minute they do it, they're like, <sighs> the mother actually says, bliss. <laughs> I I was that kid. I'm just going to say it now. I'm sure I subjected my family I don't, to. I can't believe that you would be like, this kid is obnoxious. Like. Blink, blink, blink. <laughs> <laughs> Hit the road. It's amazing. Yes. Please yes, see yes, it. yes, yes, yes. If, if if you've ever listened to us, if we've ever talked you into something that you would think, I don't know if I want to mm, you let want, this be that time. You want this and you want Petite Maman. You do. No question. And Petite Maman is 75 minutes and Hit the Road is 90 minutes. Yes. So you've got time. Yes, you do. Did you see The Batman? You've got time. <laughs> you can watch both of these movies in the time it took you and to watch And there'll still the be Batman. The Batman playing after you watch both of these movies. <laughs> uh, do you have a DVD pick this week? Is uh, Klaus Schabral's story of women on streaming or Blu-ray? Because that's what we need to talk. Yikes. <laughs> we need to recommend that. Uh, why don't you look at that I don't know if it is or break. not. I, I'll get to it next week. Okay. Fine. I don't have anything. I was, I just, well, that just popped in my I mind. got an email today from Criterion saying that all their discs on the their own website, Criterion.com, are 30% off for the month of May. So I was going to recommend to people that they pick up the new Blu-ray of Frank Tashlin's The Girl Can't Help It. All right. One of the great rock and roll movies, one of the great comedies of all time, starring the great Jane Mansfield. And uh, it's, it's this. It's a gas. It this is, movie is a delight. such fun. And if you are a member of our Patreon, you will have just received our Linoleum Knife Presents More Linoleum Knife episode in which we talk about 
uh, The Girl Can't Help It at length. And if you join our Patreon at patreon.com slash Linoleum Knife, you get extra content like Linoleum Knife presents more Linoleum Knife. You also get LKTV, a podcast of the television, Linoleum Knife and Fork, a food, cast, a food podcast hosted by two film critics, Linoleum Knights, which is just cast. Which, whatever we want From to talk foodies. about. From foodies. <laughs> and lots of other cool stuff uh we think you'll like it check it out patreon.com slash linoleum knife and we have letters jesse says dave you were wondering perhaps rhetorically perhaps for realsies what your neighbors think of you playing the lk theme song jam composed by blue mm-hmm. five times a week because there are that many podcasts going on in this home Not to wave away other possibilities, but as someone who listens to a bunch of podcasts, almost all of them based out of Los Angeles, I would venture a guess that nine out of ten of your neighbors are either sound engineers or podcasters in their own right. (laughs) To add a thought for the cinema, I am sometimes sensitive to gore and visceral tendon and bone-cracking violence, much like Alonzo, but I too was enraptured by the Northman. Nicole Kidman seems to be having a blast based solely on the sparkle in her eyes as she cackles like Snidely Whiplash in that one scene. (laughs) I hope Robert Eggers continues to get lots of money to stage live-action role-play meets research projects. (laughs) It's like the best version of a field trip to a historical village that I have ever had. (laughs) Well said, Jesse. Uh, uh, Human says, I kind of feel like I need to stick up for Tower Records a little. It's an ongoing discussion now between uh, us and listener uh, Benjamin, Benjamin, who was talking about how Tower Records versus uh, the store Other Music in Manhattan was the, like they weren't that different different from each other. Uh, and I said, "Well, I I need more information. Tell me, tell me, tell me. I need to know more. How how is this true? Like, uh, what's and the then, buzz? Tell me what's happening." Yeah. So anyway, Human uh, says, "Full disclosure: I worked there for a long time." at a couple of branches in London. And Tower was never exactly corporate. It was never owned by a multinational, at least not until the end when Virgin took over in the UK, which is when I left. Mm. We were always owned by uh, the family of the guy who started the first Tower store in a back room of his local drugstore in Sacramento. True. In the late 1960s. I worked there briefly myself. Russ Solomon, the founder, was admittedly a far less corporate-minded guy than his son Mike, who took over the running of the company in the 90s. In fact, the film Empire Records is about this. And was written by a Tower employee. Wow. You know, I love that Empire Records. I know you do. (laughs) You just missed Rex Manning Day. Uh, With the eponymous store standing for what Tower was and the yuppie owner and threatened mega chain takeover representing Mike Solomon and the feared future that people saw. Me, I was there for the last five years before the collapse and I loved it. We were like a pirate ship. (laughs) Hole at the bottom and letting in water, (laughs) but still somehow keeping afloat and being pretty rock and roll while doing so. (laughs) And we always had or could source anything and everything customers were after, however obscure. Virgin and HMV could not say that. True, true. Thank you. And then here's from Benjamin. He says, I was a bit, I was a bit harsh about Tower. <laughs> no, no, no. About other. About other. I was a bit harsh about the store. And there's not really an online paper trail about, about its origins as Tower Records and other music. That's just New York retail history. Wish I had a whole academic gotcha spread, but I don't. <laughs> See? Somebody out there has to know. <laughs> So, are you listening? Somebody? Are you that somebody? I need 
all of the tea poured. <laughs> if if Benjamin is right, about I need other music. this. I need to know. Someone who wants to play Detective Pikachu, please do it for me. I just don't have time. <laughs> you do not. Uh, then he says, uh, Soundgarden t- song titles are the best. I just wish they were a good band in concert. Ouch! Now, I'm going to say something here. <laughs> I saw Soundgarden for the very first time in 1989 in London at a notorious concert where they opened for Mudhoney. And when Mudhoney hit the stage, the show turned into a chaotic riot and the police showed up and it got written up. It's even in the Mudhoney documentary. I was at that show. You were show. standing near John Peel. I was standing you? not far from John Peel. <laughs> um, and uh, the, uh, uh, the thing about Soundgarden was that I had not heard them before that night. And they came out and they did a whole set. It was super tight. And Chris Cornell was like hair down to his butt and flopping it all around and everything. And then when it was over, he said, thank you. We're Black Sabbath. Good night. Now that takes (laughs) balls to do. In London? In England. Yeah. Um, But I remember them being really, really good. And then a couple years later, after they got well known, I saw them again with my friend Pete. Uh, Because he worked for a radio station, he got uh, free tickets. Uh, And he said, hey, want to go see Pearl Jam? And I said, I absolutely do not want to go see Pearl Jam. He goes, do you want to go see Pearl Jam if Soundgarden, Swerve Driver, and Monster Magnet are opening? And I said, I do want to do that. This was 1991. And, And so we went and... Monster Magnet and Swerve Driver and Soundgarden were cool. And then Pete was very happy with Pearl Jam. And you got nachos. And I got, did I get nachos or did I get, I may have gotten like a beer or something. Ooh. Like, yeah, because Pete doesn't drink. Um, and I was like, look what I'm doing. Ignoring, glug, glug, glug. ignoring, the fa- your, ignoring your favorite band while drinking a beer. <laughs> To this day, our accounts of this show are not the same. I'm, sounds like it. It was at the Bronco Bowl of course in Dallas. Was. Of course. Site of my very first concert. Amy Grant. <laughs> in, in 1982. You've lived a life, Dave. I have lived quite... Listen, I've lived. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know what kind of band Soundgarden became in concert, but I saw them twice solid both times mm. that was my that was my experience my lived experience okay yeah okay uh grant the movie and tv guy says uh, i just wanted to say hit the road we'll be playing in st louis at the plaza frontenac starting april 29th so it's oh, there right now okay so also taking louis. off from what alonzo said last week on breakfast all day it is absurd how many good films have come out so far in 2022 the worst person in the world everything everywhere all at once i think bona fide classics and that's before the year is half over do you believe this is just good luck or do you think the pandemic delays might have something to do with it well uh, worst person in the world the is answer. technically a holdover from from last year like it was, that is true it is that's why it was up for oscars this year yeah uh, good question. I don't know if these are all movies that were that were circling the airport waiting for the for theaters to reopen or if it's just a coincidence, but um 
Yeah, it does seem like there. I, I I can't begin to explain it, but but we've just come out of the first you know third of the year, and I feel like I'm I've already got some real solid you know top ten list contenders, yeah. including Hit the Road. Last comment from Dr. Steve: The unbearable weight of massive talent is a 106 minute validation of Alonzo's thoughts about Paddington Two. That's also, right. Also, also a case study a case study in homosocial relationships. Yes. Also true. We used to call those bromances. And we got to uh, go. You got to go. You I do. I do. Minutes. I do. I do. All right. Y'all you gotta, are great. You got to hit the road. I do have to hit the road. Thank yeah. you all for listening. Subscribe to the show at Apple Podcasts. Leave us a five-star review. We'll read it on the air. Uh, you know, leave us positive feedback in all the other places that we stream, Spotify, Pandora, um, uh, Google Play, Amazon Music, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, thank you, Blue, as always, for our theme music. He's at blueBLEU.bandcamp.com. Um, you can uh, drop us a line at linoleumpodcast.gmail.com and follow, follow us at linoleumcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And do check me out on my other podcasts, Breakfast All Day on YouTube, uh, Maximum Film on the Maximum Fun Network, and Deck the Hallmark, uh, where I pop in on Mondays to talk uh, Christmas movies with Bran. This week, we do the 1959 Santa Claus, which Bran had never seen before. You're welcome. A psychedelic experience for en- everyone. Enjoy that one, won't yeah. you? Um, all right. Uh, we'll be back next time with more. Until then. Goodbye. <laughs>